Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Under 34, which is brought to you by Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, speeches, and online periodicals. That's Audible.com. Head on over to Audible.com after our show this evening, and in the drop-down menu, enter Life Coach Radio Network for information about a free 30-day trial. It's a free 30-day trial of Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the sponsor of our program and all the programs here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And welcome in again, everyone, to Undivided, episode number 34, Gratitude versus Entitlement. This show is a recorded show. It will air on Wednesday, November the 21st. But because of the holiday, and as I explained, if you were with me at the end of my last episode, for those that missed it, because of the uh, requirements of my work schedule and because of the Thanksgiving holiday, this show is recorded as it was a year ago. Uh, It's a recorded show, so there'll be no calls There will be no live emails uh, that can come in. I did check the email mailbag prior to coming on. So we're going to mix in some of those questions here tonight on that subject. And for that, I thank the listeners. First, the disclaimer before we get started here tonight. The views of this episode of Undivided, episode number 34, Gratitude versus Entitlement, may not necessarily be the views of myself as host, Frank J. Maduri. I do not have a guest this evening. I would normally list the guest. I'm going to be doing a solo show with you all and may not necessarily be the views of the Life Coach Radio Network. So now that we've moved forward from the disclaimer, I hope you all have had a good couple of weeks. And I know that's probably frenetic for you to get ready for the Thanksgiving holiday. But I thought this was a timely topic coming on the heels of Thanksgiving coming on the heels of an American holiday, similar to a show that we did a year ago for those who are longtime listeners. Thank you. I'm taking a different spin on it tonight, a different look at these two very polarizing emotions and very polarizing components of the human condition. And I also want to mention that our thoughts and prayers are with those in the California wildfires on the breaks this evening. I'm going to be looking to, Uh, raise some money with uh, trusted charities, as we always do uh, for them this evening and the the horror that they're going through. What terrible time here at the holidays and the start of the holiday season uh, for those people out in California. So thoughts and prayers and uh, are with them certainly uh, every day, but this during this episode in particular, and as we reflect upon what it means to be, grateful and what it means to be entitled. The definition of entitlement is the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. And another way of looking at it is having a right to something. So that person feels like it's my right to have this type of lifestyle. It's my right to have this type of job or this type of car. Whereas gratitude, the definition is the quality of being thankful and to show appreciation for and then return a kindness that has been done to you. So very polarizing ways, very almost polar opposite. And then also expressing appreciation for what one has. This is another definition of gratitude. So expressing appreciation for what one has, not what one wants 
or what society is telling them that they need. So those are very important things as we're in the introduction to tonight's show to keep in mind as we come through this topic and work through this topic here this evening. We're going to talk about uh, different gratitude exercises that coaches use. So I'll again, get back to the world of coaching and share some of the things that we learn as coaches, share some of the things that people have shared with me uh, over the course of, of just uh, my interactions with people on this subject. And then also uh, different things within my own life and the lives of those that I know uh, that, you know, when they've struggled with this, you know, being grateful and versus I think, you know, we're all inherently and feel like we're entitled, especially in America. So we're going to talk about Western cultural values, um, how wealth and possession and materialism all kind of drive this situation. So again, I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri. I'm glad to have you along with us tonight. There are all things that, you know, we take for granted. And at this point in the year, you know, being Thanksgiving, I think we focus in on what we're thankful for. The, obviously being the point of, of this all-American holiday to take time over this Thanksgiving weekend and this holiday weekend, most of us are off on Friday. Some people do have to work. Some people have a long weekend. And to reflect upon what we have and what we could be grateful for versus, you know, what we think we need. I think society, you know, as we enter the divide segment, which is the beginning of our show, I think, you know, the first segment of our show, the divide here is what, you know, society always has us focused on what we lack uh, rather than what we possess, what we, what we do have. And, drives this messaging that, you know, we deserve this because of X, Y, or Z. I deserve that job because I earned my master's degree. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting an advanced education, but the fact that we think, you know, I deserve a 75-inch TV, you know, versus somebody else, or I deserve, you know, a luxury car versus just something to get from point A to point B, rather than somebody else. We're not grateful for the fact that we have a car. We have a TV. Someone may not have any of those things. That we have a home. We're always focused on, oh, I want a bigger house. What about the home that we're in? What about looking at it in a different way, changing that mindset, becoming grateful for the small things in life? Focus on all that we have. And also, and importantly, as we enter the holiday season, and we're going to talk about this when I lead up to my show in two weeks, we're going to talk about what we can give to others as we enter the Christmas season, Hanukkah, the other holidays in December, what we can do to give to other people. There's this consumerism, this materialism that drives this mindset that we have that we should have these things. There's nothing wrong with earning money, working hard, and gaining some things for yourself to make your life either better or easier or more productive. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the mindset and that societal way in the media enforces this where they want you to believe that you need these things versus what's truly important. 
Our society is a predisposition to entitlement. Many Americans feel that they're entitled to certain things, certain privileges, material possessions, or behaviors, because either they've never been told otherwise or they've always, quote, unquote, got their way. So what are some of the ramifications of that mentality? Some of those ramifications are greed. There's a predisposition of selfishness, malice, potentially. You can become malicious. Hey, I, I need to get there. I need to get that job. If you're working at a place like a PR firm or if you're working at a place where it's a, a medium-sized business and there's only one vice president and there's only one director of a certain department and you're in a, a bullpen with eight other people in a cubicle, you might be doing some things in a malicious way to make them look bad and make yourself look, quote, unquote, good to try and get that promotion. I deserve, you know, that promotion. I'm going to get it because no one's ever told me no. Now, again, there's a line between ambition and malice, and that could be a whole other show, so I don't want to get off on a tangent. But I saw that in place when I graduated college. I got a, a degree in political science. I got a minor in communications, uh, public relations, and I was interviewing different PR firms in Manhattan, and I saw that come to light. I said, well, if there's 15 of me and there's only one of my boss and we're all going to be making X and my boss makes Y and I'm going to have to put in a lot of hours and only one of us is going to get promoted, I don't know if that's really the career path that I envision for myself. I don't know if I want to put in all these hours and be stuck in a certain job and commuting to Manhattan all those years. And I made a decision one day in a waiting room that I didn't want to pursue that career path anymore. It just wasn't for me. I inventory of my values. What else can it do? It can lead to egotism. It can lead to self-importance. It can make you closed off from your neighbors, your friends, or others. So that entitlement can make you feel like, oh, that person is stuck up. You might have heard that, or a snob, or an intellectual snob. It can, it can keep you divided from other people. This is what the divide segment is, is going to show. Many of us are focused more on what we do not have rather than all we do have and all the advantages we enjoy when compared to living uh, people that are living in the developing world, excuse me, countries that are unstable or in regions of the world that have suffered a lot of instability, which we've talked about on the show, especially recently with the show with Ramana and with the show where we did the cultural divide. And we're going to have a show upcoming on immigration in 2019, which I'm really excited about. How can Americans get more connected with the plight of others to value their own way of life with a better sense of gratitude? That's a very good question and a big question that I'm asking myself tonight to answer for the audience. As Ramana said, you have to travel. You have to get connected to groups or to causes. Get out there. Join a group. Volunteer, as I said, at the end of that show, the Western split with Ramana a couple weeks ago. Get connected to causes or groups. Go to your community center and volunteer. Meet with people that are from different ethnicities and backgrounds. Read more often about other cultures or countries. Maybe set aside some time. If you work nights, say, hey, I'm going to read on my 30-minute break about other cultures. 
other countries. What's going on there? What's going on in a, a country like the Central African Republic? What's going on in a country like Venezuela right now, where there's a lot of instability? What's going on in Honduras or Guatemala? If you can't travel there, get connected to it. Look up different organizations. You know, in the New York City, New Jersey metro area where I'm blessed to live, there are a lot of organizations for a lot of different cultures. Look them up. Get involved. Get yourself into the mix, as they say, with what other people are dealing with. Look at images. I used to read National Geographic for years. You see some images, some very stark images of how other people live. Americans, you know, I think like to complain about our country. We don't realize how blessed we actually are. Yes, we have problems, and I'm not here to say that we don't. And yes, there are movements in this country to try and make things better because there are things wrong. There are no perfect societies, and we're a democracy, and we have to work these things out. We have to share ideas and work through them or through our differences. But we're a lot better off than a lot of people in this world, and we have to realize that at Thanksgiving and American holiday, give thanks for what we have versus thinking about what we don't have. Many of us get caught in the situation where we're just trying to, quote, unquote, get through the day. So you can lose perspective that way. And I've talked about that on this show. Perspective is everything. And it's easy to fall to that trap of looking at how other people live. We had the whole show with Marla Goldberg where we talked about basically the haves and the have-nots. You know, living your life one way, you know, what society tells us we need versus being truly fulfilled. And that was a great episode. Marla was a great guest. If you missed it, take a listen to it. Romana was a great guest. We talked about that in, in her show as well. The cultural divide with Pam Winholtz. We spoke about that during that program. How other people live, you know, we get stuck in that. We look at it, social media. We've talked about that drives the bus in comparing our lives to others. Those other people may on the surface seem like their lives are much more together than ours. How can, we, how can this be avoided? This was an email question I really appreciate. We've talked a lot on this show about the lens with which we see the world. In coaching, we talk about that perspective. Your lens is shaped by your environment, by your parents, by where you grow up, by where you work, by the geography in which where you grow up. You know, the Northeast, is, you have a different lens than someone that grows up in, in the Southeast or the West or the Midwest. All those things come into that lens. There are energy shifts that go on. You know, we have to, to think about that energy that we present to a given task thing that's going on in, in our day-to-day lives. And we have to shift that way. We could get stuck in this really low state, really depressed state where we're constantly making comparisons and feel like, well, I'm entitled to this and I don't have it. And my neighbor across the street, you know, Mrs. Jones does. We have to to snap out of that and say, how do I make my own presentation to my own life? How do I turn it around and give to others of myself, give to others of the talents that I have, 
to check ourselves and return back to all that we have that's special to us. It might be your children. It might be that you live in close proximity to your grandchildren. It might be that you live close by to a spouse, excuse me, a sibling, like your sister lives down the street or your brother lives up the road. We have to get reconnected to what is around us. Maybe your in-laws live close by and they've really helped you out with things. Your uncle helps you out. You get the picture. Think of those less fortunate. You know, my wife and I were in uh, New York City on Sunday. We had an event up there. And we walked by so many people and, you know, made our own steps to try and help them that are living on the street, that are sleeping on top of, you know, heating vents and grates. Take a step back, even if it's 15 minutes a day, to check yourself, to think about that energy and how you're presenting yourself to the world. Is it positive or negative? Is it happy and joyful or is it derogatory and mean-spirited? Developing a spiritual connection will help, and we're going to talk about that at length throughout this program tonight. Without being preachy, you're developing a spiritual connection through the formation that I went through you know, at IPEC, we talk about developing that spiritual connection is the most important breakthrough that you'll have with the client. Connecting them to something bigger than themselves. Connecting them to God. Prayer will ground us and help us realize what is important. Spend 10 minutes in prayer in the quiet. And you'll start to figure this out, that I do have a lot of things that others don't. I do have a roof over my head and a job. Or I do have a family that loves me if I'm unemployed. We're a little bit beyond the 15-minute break. I'm going to pause and take it now. We're about 18 minutes into our show. Again, this is Undivided, episode number 34, believe it or not. It will air on November 21st, 2018. And Undivided, episode 34, will be back in a moment. First, some upcoming show promotions here on the Networks of Life Coach Radio. Erica Wiederlite. Erica Wiederlite, Mondays, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. That's Erica Wiederlite. She's back. As some of you may know, she uh, took a hiatus for a while. She had a long-running show on the network. She's been back. This is her. She's been back two, three episodes now. Uh, Mondays at 11 a.m. is her usual spot. Check the listings on the Life Coach chat channel website, Life Coach Radio website, excuse me. And you could also check out the archived episodes on Blog Talk Radio's uh, platform or on iTunes. Our show is distributed by iTunes, as is my show. And again, Audible.com is our sponsor, and I want to try and raise some money tonight for the California wildfires. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. Again, that's Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. www.salvationarmyus.org. That's www.salvationarmyus.org. Enter your zip code or enter a California zip code for fire relief. Maybe you want to donate to Paradise, California or Malibu, California. They're having fires in both the north end and southern part of the state. 
Catholic charities in the LA area and also in the Northern California area are listed as some of the best charities to give to on Charity Navigator. So check that out. We're back here on Undivided, episode number 34, Gratitude versus Entitlement. Thank you for listening along with me. I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri, on a solo show. It's been a while since we've done a solo program. And moving right along in our Divide segment, Western society, as I mentioned before the break, places a value on wealth, possessions, power, and success. Those are things that society values. Though some people have used those advantages to create incredibly positive changes in our world. There are some wealthy people that have done very generous giving to worthy causes. They've helped solve humanitarian crises. Others have used those same things to benefit their own self-interest. So the question is, how can we shift toward a society that values community, giving, charity, shared wealth and resources, and humility? It's a very big question that I'm asking tonight. And the answer, I think, starts with, there's a number of different components to it. As I said before in the show open, there's nothing wrong with having money and having possessions and having material success, especially if you're going to use those advantages to create positive changes in our world. We need some of those people. Throughout history, we've had philanthropists and people that have created incredible changes in our world. You know, recently, you know, the, the name that jumps to mind is Bill Gates. You know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has done so much good in our world. There are other charitable giving organizations that have done so much good in our country and in our world. As I mentioned, you know, doing the California wildfires, we started on this program doing PSA spots for Hurricane Harvey relief in the Houston area. And I talked about the NFL player, J.J. Watt, and his foundation raised all that money, millions of dollars to help people, you know, in the Houston area get back on their feet. If we didn't have people like that that were focused on I have this platform and I could give and I could help solve this issue, we would be in worse shape than we already are. We have, you know, AIDS foundations uh, like PEPFAR that give in Africa to try and, and help people with much-needed medications. This wouldn't be possible without the generosity of so many people. So how can we shift that? The first thing is to have humility. And that is so countercultural because our, our culture tells us, that you've got to lead with bravado and virtuoso, that you've got to be this, you know, take the bull by the horns type of guy or, or type of woman in business. You've got to be this, you know, kick butt kind of person. And humility is the opposite of that. Being humble and showing humility as a leader, some people thought was a sign of weakness. Now they value it. I just read in the Wall Street Journal that they've developed this whole uh, survey to provide to potential applicants and candidates that measures humility in leaders for corporate positions. It's called the H factor, the humility factor. And that they, show, they have shown and proven that people on sales teams respond better to leaders that act with humility versus those that act in the way that I had mentioned before. There is a trend towards charity and simpler living, especially among millennials and some Gen Xers like I am. I'm a Gen Xer. Reevaluating our lives, especially at a certain point in my life, I said, you know what? 
those things that I thought were important to me really aren't. I don't need a big house. I don't need this or that. I want to live in a more simple way so that I could use the surplus to help others. That connection to the spiritual side of things that I mentioned before, the Judeo-Christian values of charity and service also come into that equation. You know, uh, Jesus taught us to be charitable, to be of service, the washing of the feet on the Last Supper. You, know, you have to be of service to others. And he was the master. He's, he's God. And he's telling us to be of service to other people, to be charitable to others, to give to others. Love thy neighbor. There's an inherent guilt associated with Thanksgiving and the Christmas, Hanukkah holiday season because many people begin to take personal inventory. They self-evaluate. There's a lot of introspection that goes on. Episode 35 that's coming up will be at Barika Porter. And we're going to talk a lot about this. It's going to be about healing, you know, uh, being honest with yourself to heal yourself. It can be a service to other people. And we're going to talk a lot about taking personal inventory, being honest with yourself about the person that you are and the person that you want to be. It's going to be a fascinating episode. And as I've got a pretty good read on guests, you guys are going to love her. The audience is going to love. You're going to love Marie Porter, and I can't wait for that for that show. And that's two weeks from tonight. And maybe you know that you have not done all that you could or should do for others. We all can do more. We all can look within ourselves and say, you know what? I could do more to help other people. So how do we do that? How do we harness those emotions in an anabolic or positive way? Excuse me. How do we do that? and shift away from that guilt, that inherent guilt that we have into a, an action, let's say, some type of action. Some people call it action mode, giving mode. So how, how can we do that? How do we harness those emotions? How do we take you know, the prior question? How do we shift into a more charitable, giving, sharing situation, whereas the entitlement messaging of society is we need to have all this for ourselves. You can't share that with Pete next door or Bob down the road or Jenny across the street. You need to keep that for yourself, Frank. You need to, you know, you might need that someday. Don't give that away. You might need that money to fix your car, let's say, next month. Don't give it to your neighbor, you know. They can go get a, a second job or they can go work nights. But what, what if they have other extenuating circumstances? What if they're just down and out and need a hand up? And what did Jesus say in the Bible? You know, give, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. Give to your neighbor, give to your brother or sister, and give it away, loan without ever expecting repayment. Because your reward is going to be in heaven. It's not going to be here. It's going to be in the next life, not in this one. It's not going to be a material reward. It's going to be one of a lot better value. And our society has moved away from this. I've done shows on relativism and secularism. So my views are out there, and you can listen to those shows. 
But I'm going to put it out there again. You know, we have moved away from secularism this, uh, in this country. We've become, we've moved away from religion, excuse me, become a lot more secular. We have moved away and secularism has taken hold of this country and relativism, which is, you know, do whatever you want. There are no consequences to your actions. There's no accountability for the way that you act. And that has fed the beast. That has fed the beast in this country. And then we look in the mirror and say, why do we have the problems that we have? Well, here's why. We have moved away from the Judeo-Christian values that are the bedrock of this country. We have moved away from what Dr. Martin Luther King was talking about when he was talking about loving other people and looking at everyone as your brother or your sister. Loving those people that are different than you. Romana's episode, we talked about that getting to know people that are different than yourself. Society and the, and the media, the fear machine, want you to be afraid of everyone that's different. They want you to be afraid of somebody that lives down the street because, well, they're not like you. They could you know, harm you in some way. It's all about the fear, not of this person can actually become your friend. This person can actually maybe find you a job. This person might actually be able to help you through a situation because they've been through it. But until you have that interaction, you're never going to know that. You may draw a conclusion on someone judging the book by its cover. Your mom told you to never do that, so don't do it. We've got to take action. We've got to volunteer. We've got to get out in our communities and interact with people. And it doesn't have to be big, as I've talked about in this show before, small gestures. You know, we all have a tendency to think big as Americans. Oh, well, if I can't do it big, I don't want to do it at all. That's the wrong thinking. And I know that you probably think, well, I can't do this. So you don't want to commit and then have to quit. A lot of people feel bad about that, too. It keeps you on the couch, as I say. You're not going to get off the couch if you think, well, I can't do it every Saturday. Then maybe do it every other Saturday. And you know what? These organizations and these community centers and these community groups and these faith-based groups, they'll be just as happy to have you do that. Make a small gesture. Maybe it's an hour a week. If that's all you can do, your life is going to change by doing it. So that the following year, when you take that personal inventory, when you make that self-evaluation, when you take that introspection, you're going to say, you know what? I did do more than I did last year. In 2019, I did more than I did in 18. And that's going to make yourself feel very good. There's a lot of emotions around giving, around gratitude that tend to, to stack up upon each other that will make you feel better by doing it. I talked about Lenten Positive Acts as a program that other religions have even used and modeled after, even though it's a Catholic, it's got its basis in Roman Catholicism. And I had the, the guy who started Lenten Positive Acts, which is now a worldwide program. Bill Ross was the first guest on this show in episode two. Episode one was my premiere show. Episode two was the Faith Over Fear show with Bill Ross. And Bill talks about, hey, starting Lenten and Positive Acts and that challenge, challenging ourselves to do a certain number of good deeds a day. And that 30 days or 40 days, excuse me, of Lent 
without counting the Sundays, it's actually more you know, like 44. But over those 40 plus days, you do a certain number of, of, of positive things and action to help someone else being outside of yourself, thinking outside of your own needs. That's where the 30 days comes from. It takes 30 days to create a new habit. Scientifically proven, the brain will train itself within 30 days. And by repeating that behavior, by repeating that act of gratitude, by repeating that gesture, whatever it is, helping an old lady put groceries in a car, helping someone to get, a, you know, that's their car battery died, get a jump, call someone a tow truck. I don't, I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. Something that you go out of your way to help someone else four or five times throughout a day, six times throughout a day, you keep challenging yourself to build on that. That's going to create new habits that are then going to circle back to that act of gratitude. We're at our midpoint of the show break. We're a minute or two beyond, but we were a minute or two beyond the, the 15. So we're about 32 minutes into our time together tonight. And again, this show will air on Wednesday, November 21st. This is Undivided, Episode 34, Gratitude versus Entitlement on the Life Coach Radio Network. And now our midpoint of the show break. Some upcoming show promotions here on the networks of Life Coach Radio. Replenish me, replenish me with Cordelia Gaffar. That's Cordelia Gaffar. Replenish me Wednesday, November 28th. 7 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach Radio Network. So, again, that's one week from tonight, uh, one week from the air date of this show, Wednesday, November the 28th. Cordelia Gaffar, Cordelia Gaffar, Replenish Me. New show on our network, but relatively new. And you could check out her prior episodes prior to the Wednesday live show at 7 p.m. on November the 28th. You could check out her prior shows again on our website on the Blog Talk radio platform, or on iTunes, being distributed on iTunes for free, so you can check that out. Harry Pritchett, it's a new series. Harry Pritchett's new series comes up, his debut episode. The topic is Misery Loves Company, and it will air on the Life Coach Radio Network with special guest Danica Treble. Danica Treble will be along, and they may have one other person. They're still trying to hash that out. But Harry Pritchett, new to the Life Coach Radio Network of and our family of networks and our family here of hosts, Harry Pritchett, new series, first show is called Misery Loves Company with Danica Treble. That airs on Thursday, the 29th of November at 9 p.m. Eastern. So, again, Harry Pritchett. Misery Loves Company. The series is going to have a different name. This first episode, that's the topic. Danica Trebles, the guest, Thursday, 11.29 at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. So check that out. There's a new show in the networks. And then some uh, disclaimers here, some PSAs. Excuse me. Speaking of Misery Loving Company, if you are feeling in a way that other people have things that you don't, you feel miserable about it. You feel depressed over it. I'm here to talk to you about the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are thinking of something that you can't get out of your mind and your thoughts are of harming yourself, 800-273-8255. Again, that's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. Especially now at the holidays, you might be feeling stuck. 
You might be feeling you know down about yourself, about your state in your life, maybe your state of your job. You feel trapped in a, a dead-end job. You feel trapped in a job that keeps you over hours and doesn't appreciate you for what you do and what you contribute. There are all different things that can drive that type of behavior. You know, we don't talk enough about mental illness in this country, and we need to. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, you matter. There are professionals there to listen to you and to listen to your call and to listen and to provide you help and support during whatever you, it is you're dealing with. They're going to give you ways that you can navigate that in your life because, believe me, life gets better. It might seem like you're down and out now. Every life is important. Every life is precious. Every life has been created by God above. Every life has been endowed with certain things. Please call the number. That's 800-273-8255. Food for the Poor www.foodforthepoor.org or 800-427-9104. Again, Food for the Poor, www.foodforthepoor.org. Great charity out of South Florida. 800-427-9104. Help those in need throughout the world. And this, the holidays, Thanksgiving coming up. Be thankful for what you have. Give to those who are in need. And again, a reminder, iTunes distributes my show for free, Undivided, is available on iTunes as well as the other shows here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And now we're back from our midpoint of the show break. And now we transition the show into, we had the divide segment. We talked about the divide around entitlement versus gratitude, trying to get our society where it is now, people feeling entitled to certain things, how are we going to get people into a mode of action towards being giving and charitable and having gratitude for what they have versus always thinking about what, what they don't have. So now it's bridging the divide. I would normally open the phone lines. This is a recorded show. So there's no calls tonight. Audible.com is our sponsor. Undivided show. That's undivided S H O W at gmail.com is our email address. Now, obviously it's a recorded show. I check some emails. I put in a couple of email questions into the mix of these questions that I'm going to be asking tonight. I wrote some of the other ones myself. If you have any feedback on the show, feel free to email me to, to me at undividedshow at gmail.com. So now, how do we bridge the divide? And I always ask a big question at this point of the show for my regular listeners that know. How do we bridge the divide between people who are entitled and believe that they are owed things without earning them? People who are in it for themselves. Okay, I'm, I'm out to do me. And there are times where there's nothing wrong with that. We've done shows about you know loving yourself, taking time for personal care, things of that nature. That's not what we're talking about. You're constantly in it for yourselves. You're completely selfish. You see no value in sharing or in charity. You think those that are taking it could actually provide it or get it themselves and that they're quote-unquote lazy or whatever you might feel. And there are some people that feel that. I'm not going to give to this charity because they're going to misuse the money or they're going, the people that get it are going to misuse the money and it's not going to make any difference. Or I'm not going to share because I want it for myself, as we discussed before. And those who are grateful 
There are people out there that are grateful for even the small things that they have or the basic needs that they have met in their lives. Again, that perspective is everything. So how are we going to do that? It's through slow, gradual change. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens, like I said before, you taking an hour out of your week to do something for someone. You, you, you to volunteer, let's say. And to take 10 minutes to go out of your way to maybe walk up to someone in a parking lot of a store and say, hey, do you need help loading that into your car? Can I give you a hand? Can I give you a hand while your kids are screaming to help you, you know, with your groceries? It's in slowly and gradually changing yourself and your approach to those situations. It's by being more open to experiences with people. You know, we can all walk through this life very closed off. I mentioned it numerous times on this show before. My grandfather played such a huge role in my life. You know, we can all get focused on, you know, what we don't have and that we don't want to open ourselves up to others because we're afraid that we might get hurt. We're all stuck, as my grandfather would say, in the six inches in front of our windshield. We're all kind of in our own lane. We're all kind of tunnel visioned. It's kind of a human thing, especially in the West, to be very hardwired that way, especially in certain Western societies. Uh, You heard Ramana talking about how people in Europe were not that helpful, that she felt like she could not ask a question or ask for help. That was very sad. And, And a lot of listeners who provided me feedback on that and how Romana was very honest and Americans actually were more willing to help her. And that was a surprise to her. So open yourself up to experiences with people. Step off that ledge, that, that not the literal ledge, but that, that step out there, put your toe in the water, so to speak. Embrace those experiences that might present themselves instead of turning the other way or jumping in your car, closing the door, locking the doors and driving away. I one time was driving through a parking lot, saw a car that was disabled. Initially I was kind of pressed for time. I was going somewhere. I started to make the turn right, come around and exit the shopping center. And the Holy spirit was like, you got to go back and help this person. Okay. So I turned the car around I go back. Turns out the person really needed help. I didn't have jumper cables in my car because I cleared out my trunk. We eventually then linked up with another person that did. I got them matched up. I went up to somebody in the park and I said, hey, man, you know, this guy needs some help. I was trying to help him out. Uh, He doesn't have AAA, you know, the whole story. It's not important. The action of it was. I initially was going to leave, and I was late to where I had to go, but Stopping was very important because that person was reticent to ask for help. I had to ask them, hey, you know, do you need something? They were going to try and figure it out on their own. They were trying to figure out, you know, if a relative who wasn't getting off work for several hours could come help them. They were going to wait it out. They were canceling other things they had going on that day. It's important to be there for people, to open yourselves up to that. By being more accepting of those that are maybe different than you. And when you have an understanding of 
gratitude. Let's say you're you're one of those people in the divide you know, that we're trying to bridge here that are grateful, that have been through some stuff, let's say, in their lives, and you're looking to give back. You're looking to return that kindness that was done to you. Maybe someone gave you a hand up in life. You're looking to pay that back. You're looking to do that. Well, that is understanding that gratitude, excuse me, you could be an example to those who do not have any understanding of that, to those that are kind of gripped in this entitlement phase. You can help them understand that by being an example of that type of behavior. So let's say someone's doing something totally undeserving or or what society would deem undeserving of help. They're acting a certain way. They've got a chip on their shoulder, as they would say, or they're being rude. Help that person. And the others around you will see that type of reaction versus tearing them down or getting defensive or getting combative or coming back at them. Help them. You know, be overly nice. Give them that dose of sugar, as my mom used to say. And they'll want to swallow the medicine. Be helpful to them. Others around you will see that and will then try that in their own lives to model that behavior. It's proven. And that can help us in bridging that divide and helping to change maybe people that are not as giving and as, or not as grateful to understand, hey, you know, this person's being an example of that, that they've been in some down places and now they're trying to help others. Much debate is centered on the millennial generation being the me, me, me generation. We've talked about that on this show in the past in a variety of different contexts, including in Marlon Goldberg's episode. We did like essentially the Keeping Up with the Joneses episode. However, millennials also have embraced and driven concepts of sharing, of living in a more simple way, such as Uber and Lyft, Airbnb, Venmo, and other new types of service offerings that have come along where people share their homes, their cars, their financial resources, and other resources in a true spirit of gratitude. So how do we explain this disparity? Essentially, it's a misconception. There's a misconception of the millennial generation, and I've done it, and I've been guilty of it at points in my own life myself. Because I'll say, oh, you know, it's hit and miss. Some people from that generation get painted with that brush, and it ends up, your preconception ends up being proven true, unfortunately, because there are some people in that generation that they're very entitled. And they say, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't have to do that, you know, but you work here. And we all have to, and that's part of your job responsibility. Well, I, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to. Something like that. And I've had other people on this program, and I've had interaction with other people um, in a variety of different ways uh, through some of the work that I do uh, that have complained about that in their own businesses. You're helping out a small business or a medium-sized business, or I've had interactions with people that own them. And they'll say, you know what, I'm having a hard time finding you know, younger people that want to work. But on the flip side, I know a lot of people that fall in that generation that have to work, 
that are supporting their parents, supporting their families. Maybe it's a one-parent household and they've lost a parent for whatever reason, and they're trying to help and pay bills for their siblings too, for them to go to school, or whatever the the driver is in their life, whatever role they're playing as part of their life purpose, essentially. And they can't miss a shift. Excuse me, they can't miss a shift, or they can't, you know, miss a day of work because it's going to jam them up paying the light bill, essentially, or the heating bill. The concept of sharing your car, it was so foreign, like the Airbnb, you know, doing a enterprise, doing a Lyft, doing some kind of enterprise where you share your car with others. I know there's another service that does that. Venmo, hey, just Venmo me the money, man. You know, here's my account. I paid for lunch for everybody today. You know, 15 people are Venmoing money back and forth. In, you know, my day, we wouldn't do something like that. Gen Xers, you know, we would make spot somebody, quote, unquote, the money. We were really reticent to buy lunch for 15 people. We'd be reticent to put ourselves out there like that. We'd be reticent to ride in a car that wasn't a cab, kind of hardwired that way. I personally have never used Uber. I'm a little nervous about riding with some guy I don't know. Millennials are like, hey, man, whatever. I'm a more of a stay-at-a-hotel kind of guy than stay in someone else's house. But I know plenty of people that have great experiences with Airbnb. I know people that participate in it, that rent out their homes or their apartments, you know, for people that are traveling on vacations and things like that. So there's a definite misconception about the millennial generation. Some are consumed with their own needs, but that's in every generation. The way to to get there is not traditional. It's not like our parents did it. The world has changed a lot. And that lens that we see the world, Gen Xers, baby boomers, older generations of people, people that are older than me, it's not like our parents did it. It's not like my parents did it or your parents did it. We have to share resources. We have to have a more customized experience of the world has changed. People don't want to stay in hotels as much anymore. They want to have, it's all customized now. We want to be able to get that ride, that Uber, whenever we want. We don't want to wait around outside the cold for a cab. We don't want to wait outside for, you know, a livery cab to come pick us up. I was in New York the other day, as I said, on, on Sunday. You know, people are taking cabs occasionally. There are other automobiles pulling up, you know, that are obviously the Uber lifts, picking people up. There are people putting in reservations for it on their phones. It's a different world. People want that customized experience. They want to be able to truly experience life. They don't want to experience it in a hotel. They don't want to experience, you know, most people don't want to experience the Marriott version of a trip. That would be my ideal trip. So, again, we're all different. There's nothing wrong with the Marriott version of trip. Just people may not want that. I tend to, to like that. I would be uncomfortable staying in someone else's house. I'm very traditional. I'm very kind of old school, you know. Some guys make fun of me for that, that I work with. But I am. I am very uh, 
kind of stuck in my own ways in that way. And that, and that's something I have to work on. So we all have our stuff to reach out to do that. The other thing about gratitude is to be, you know, put ourselves in other people's shoes to have empathy. And that ties in here too. Some people think the millennial generation has no empathy because they haven't experienced anything. And yet I've met millennials that have experienced a lot of stuff and they're 20 or 21 years old. And they've experienced, you know, maybe multiple uh, times they've moved their home. So they're not in the same school, multiple different times. They've changed schools. It's very difficult. And in your formative years, you haven't worked or lived in the same place. Your parents have moved around. You have either a divorce or a death of a parent or a parent that's lost a job and been out of work for a long time, a parent that's in the military that's been gone for years. These millennials have faced, and you know, Mark Fechner talked about it in the unemployment show. They've lived with that from when they were young age. 9-11 happened when they were young. They've lived in this world of terrorism and constant violence that has to do something to your psyche as we had, you know, four mass shootings yesterday that were major that were reported on in this country. Wildfires in California. All this drumbeat of despair, all the hurricanes, all the plight of these people that has to do something to your lens in which you view the world. Your perspective has to be off, quote unquote, to where you do internalize. You do say to yourself, you know, I have to go out and do me because no one else is going to. I have to take care of myself because no one else is going to do that. And we tend to close ourselves off to gratitude, to being grateful. In my own life, you know, I've done that too. We, and I think we've, we've all done it at some point and are at multiple points. And as much as, you know, I'm spiritually connected and I've talked about that on this show often. And as much as prayer is a big part of my life and being spiritually grounded and doing that to, to center myself, to focus myself on multiple activities throughout the day. We all have times, myself included, where we feel that entitlement. Whether it was like for a job, well, I have a college degree. And, you know, I mentioned the unemployment show that we did with Mark Fechner. You know, I'm out of work. I'm not going to take that job because I have experience in sales and marketing of X number of years. I'm holding out, you know, I'm putting my eggs in this basket for this job. Because my friends all have jobs that pay more money than that. And I know that. And I want to be making what my friends make. I was closed off in my mind to maybe other experiences that might have that I didn't even think about. But yet at the same time, then I took small jobs to get myself out there to make ends meet, to try and get something in while I was out of work. But at the same time, thinking always about, well, I'm entitled to this because my friends have it. I'm entitled to this because I want it because, you know, my neighbor has it. And I was mixed up in that way, admittedly. The other time in my life that, you know, it came to me in a very profound way 
And my grandmother used to say, you know, you put all your problems in a hat, you wish to pick your own back out. That's a gratitude thing. I had that stark reality when I was going through physical therapy after the injuries I sustained in a car accident that I've spoke about on the show before. So about six years ago, almost exactly to the day, I was in a car accident. It was a few days before Thanksgiving. And I was injured from that accident pretty badly. And I went through a period of time where I couldn't work. I was in a tremendous amount of pain. And I had to go through extensive physical therapy and chiropractic and you know other therapeutic sports medicine type of rehabilitation to be able to do simple things again. And I was very down and out. I was very woe is me as I think a lot of people would be in that situation. And when I would go to physical therapy, I would meet people. I'd be sitting on the table and I had an injury to my back, my neck and my shoulder. And I would be trying to strengthen my shoulder and this is somebody, as I mentioned before, in the fitness show and in other programs, a daily gym person, someone that works out a lot, someone who's in really good shape, and now I can't do anything. I used to play basketball all the time. I used to golf. I used to do all kinds of stuff. I can't do anything. I can't even do simple tasks around the house. I can't even do a load of laundry because I can't bend because of my back. And I'm in this situation where I'm trying to lift a two-and-a-half-pound weight 10 times, and I'm sweating and struggling trying to do it. And I feel like, oh, I, this is going to be such a long road back. This is so terrible. I shouldn't have to go through this. And then the person at the table next to me can't walk. The person at the table next to me on the other side can't use their left arm ever again and is teaching themselves how to do everything with their right arm. That makes you grateful really, really fast. That makes you grateful, like my grandmother said, well, hey, I see the problems that are in the hat. I'm picking my own back out. I'd rather have my own injuries than never being able to walk again. I'd rather have use of both arms, which I did, in a, even though it was limited in, in, in one side. I was getting back faster than this other person who had been going for a while and was still kind of stuck. I was making progress, though it was a very long road back. It took years to be able to do what I could do before then. And there are some things I can't do anymore. And then rather than think about those things, I should be able to play golf. And I can't anymore. I'm grateful for things I can do. I'm grateful to be able to swim and play basketball. Even if it's just by myself, I can't play in a league anymore. I can't play against other people. I can't take that kind of contact. I'm grateful that I could still do it. Because there was a point in my life I couldn't even hold a basketball. I couldn't do what I could do before. So I'm so grateful that I could get out there and do that now. It means so much more to me than it did when I could do, I used to take it for granted is where I'm going with this. What are the, what are the three things exercise and gratitude journals and what role can they play in creating a heightened sense of gratefulness versus entitled thoughts? The three things exercise is a big thing in coaching. 
I don't know. It doesn't seem to be in every coaching school, but it was something that I learned specifically from one of the trainers in the course that I, where you would go for a certain amount of live classroom training. It was pretty extensive. And one of the trainers, one of the teachers that we had during those modules taught us the three things, exercise. And that is, you know, when you wake up, you list out three things that you're grateful for right off the bat. And you keep that list throughout the day. You keep it with you. I do it all the time. And I look back and say, I have this list. Well, I'm grateful to be able to take a hot shower. I'm grateful that, you know, my wife is here with me. I love her so much, and she's here with me every day. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for our marriage. I'm grateful for my faith. Then you look back at it at you know, noontime. One or two things might change. They all might stay the same. I'm grateful to have great coworkers or a really supportive leadership team. I'm grateful for this person that came into my life that day and gave me a smile. I'm grateful for food. You know, I look at my packed lunch for the day around noontime, let's say, I'm grateful for a sandwich. People have no food. You get grateful really quickly and really makes you take that personal inventory of what you're thankful and grateful for having in a very profound way. Because when you write it, you set that intention. It's the same thing with a gratitude journal. If you keep a journal of all the things that you're grateful for, if you write little blurbs to yourself, Throughout the day, I'm grateful that, you know, I was able to get a college education because I learned X, which helped me today. Or I'm grateful that I live on a street that's safe versus people that are involved in these shootings in other parts of the country. I'm grateful that my house is standing and not on fire. By writing that, you set an intention. You also set an accountability. You're going to say to yourself, well, if I'm grateful for these things, I have to hold myself accountable to help those and return the kindness that's been done to me. Whether God's blessed you with those things because God's given us everything. And having that spiritual connection is so important to realize that. God's giving you the food, the air that you breathe, the skin that you're in. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with the gifts that God's given you? If he's given you the ability to speak well or write well or play music or just be there for somebody rather than take it for granted, rather than be entitled, I don't have to do that. Social workers can do that. I'm not going to do that. They got volunteers that handle those things. I'm not going to go visit the sick or visit the elderly in some old age home. You know, they have people there that work there. Well, guess what? The people that work there are stressed out. And there are senior citizens sitting in homes throughout this country that are lonely. And this is a holiday season. Get out there and do that. Go over there and visit somebody that's paid their dues, that's gone through life, and now feels discarded. And you'll find that those interactions are really going to bless your life 
and make you even more grateful for what you have. And you'll be rewarded for that. And remember, that reward's not going to be material. We're so driven by material things, by wealth, that if you do these things, the gratitude journal, the three things exercise. Yeah, I met somebody at an event that I was at. Actually, two people jumped to mind. One who was, you know, very upset because they have lost someone very close to them a year ago. And on the night of the event, it was like the one year anniversary of the passing and grief and separation. The separation that we feel in the human condition of death is something that's very difficult. And, and those emotions are real and those emotions are valid. But at the same time saying to me, you know, that they had met with their own coach or coached by somebody separately. And in hearing that, you know, I was involved in life coaching that they did. And I told them about the three things of the exercise. And they were like, wow, that's really cool because it will help me kind of streamline that throughout the day. Those three things that you're grateful for, might change or two of the three might stay the same. It's a fascinating exercise to do throughout a, a given course of a day because those things you'll, you, you might have taken for granted are going to be right in front of your face. That's the point of it. And the other person that I met at, at this event, uh, an event that I was at um, recently too, it's a different event, was very, very disgruntled and kind of beaten down by their job. But their job was in a charitable way. It was a foundation, um, you know, that gave to different uh, charitable causes, uh, medical causes and things of that nature, uh, maybe to solve certain diseases, to do a lot of very good things in the world. And so I said to them, you know, you have to connect more to why you took this job rather than the people and the things that are going on in the job that make you want to leave the job. That reframed it for them. Write what you're gra- grateful for about the job, where your gratitude exists. Russ Terry is the founder of Life Coach Radio Network, and he has written books on gratitude. His latest one just came out, The Gratitude Mission, the sequel book. Um, so you can check that out, Google Russ Terry. little promo for his book, but it's, the books are fabulous. He always says, be grateful. Be grateful and be mindful of the kindness that's done to you and pay that back. Pay it forward. So now we're at the point of the show we talk about the role of coaching. And thank you for staying with me for almost to the end point of our show. But we always circle back to the role of coaching because it is the Life Coach Radio Network. So what is the role of coaching in helping people connect to a greater sense of gratitude versus feeling entitled? So what can we do as coaches? What can we do if you are in need of someone to help you with that, if you're seeking a life coach or a employment coach or a relationship coach? Coaches of different types within the life coaching profession can connect you to your values. You know, there's a foundational principle at IPEC, the school that I uh, attended for my certifications, that talks about we're not the spokes, we're the wheel. When you think about 
that philosophically we're all connected. So not only do we connect to your values, we help you with values assessments, try to figure out what will make you more grateful, what you might need to, you know, push away, maybe uh, a block that you have around materialism, a block around pursuit of wealth, which is going to maybe leave you feeling empty if you have different values. If your values don't align, so nothing wrong with getting ahead in life and getting ahead and your job getting promoted and doing a good job, that's great. We all should strive to do that. It's what you do with those resources and how those line up with your values and how we are all connected to each other. So are you going to help your neighbor if you've been given a situation that's advantageous? The spiritual connection, you know, connecting to something bigger than us is a very important part and piece to this as well. Breaking things down to the lowest common denominator. You know, I'm grateful for food, air, clothes, the basic human needs. Finding that gratitude amidst the trials of life, we can help you do that too. Looking at it, you know, like I said, you have grief, you have loss. What were some good things about that person? And what of those good things can you take and model after your own life? You know, a priest that I know is a Monsignor. So that means he's like been a priest for a very long time, for those who are not familiar with that, and within the Catholic Church. And he's had a lot, a lot of the years of service and a certain level of service as far as like being in charge of very large parishes, having a role with vocations, um, and, and that sort of thing. And he will say during the homily for a funeral, you know, think of that loved one. Think of, of a few things that you loved about them or that you saw that they brought to the table, essentially brought to the equation. And pick one of those things that align with you and your unique personality and your unique traits and make it a part of your life. Or maybe stretch yourself a little bit. If this person did something that you emulated, that you found very uh, wonderful that they did, try and now shape your life around that, add that into your repertoire, so to speak, your weekly schedule. I'm now going to go do this. This is now going to become part of my life purpose because in honor of that person, that's how I'm going to remember them. Now, my father-in-law is going to be gone uh, from us about a year uh, coming up. And at the holidays, it's always very difficult. And for my family and for those that are, you know, are very good family friends, we've been talking a lot about my father-in-law, not that we haven't in the years since he's been gone, because we have a lot more in the recent days, because we know that this event is, this milestone, this anniversary is coming up. And there's still that separation that you wish that person was there. You can have a conversation with them. But then we say, well, what my father-in-law did, his strong connection to his faith, his strong connection to community, uh, the giving person that he was, I want to model some of that. You know, he would go out of his way to help people that he worked with, that he supervised. I took some of that, the people that I supervise in my full-time job. I'm going to go out of my way to really invest in these people's lives. To re- I really care about them. 
since my father and my grandfather did. And I saw that example. That was part of my lens, in which I view my own situation. And then if you're really stuck, you know, you got to refocus the client on other ways to view the situation. You know, if you're stuck looking at a situation, oh, this is terrible and woe is me, like I said before about my own situation, you know, I'm, I can't work. I have a back injury. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if this is ever going to get better and to the point that I could work in a way that I want to work. Again, I don't know what's going to happen to me. What's a new, more powerful way to look at that situation is a coaching question that we would ask. How can you look at that instead of, oh, this negative, woe is me, I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to work and no one's going to employ me like this. No one's going to employ me because I can't get out of my own way. What's a new, more powerful way to look at this situation? I can help others when they have to go through it. I had a client the other day who then shares with me, well, you know, Frank, you know, this whole project got put on hold because my wife got into an automobile accident. She had the same exact neck injury I had. And then I start speaking to this client about how I know what you're going through, or what your wife's going through, because I've been there. I've been in that hole. And I know the way out. And I can empathize with what you're going through, and it does get better. Look at me. You know, I'm out in the world. I'm working. I'm doing multiple jobs. It gets better. You need that period to reevaluate your life. And that's part of reframing it. This time will give me time to work on this and that within myself. Things that I've identified, or maybe a coach will help you identify that you could do better your situation in the long term. So last part of our show is the common ground segment. We're at seven. Um, we're going to be about 45 minutes into our show at this point tomorrow night when, when we're live. How do we find common ground between the person who feels that life has cheated them, those who feel that life is, that sharing is enabling other people to benefit from their hard work and those who feel that they are grateful, but that they give a little and others take advantage of that. So it's a big question. How do we find common ground between uh, a person who feels like life has cheated them out of something? That's the entitlement. Those who feel that sharing is enabling other people to benefit from what they worked hard to do, as I mentioned before. And those that feel that they are grateful, but that they give a little and others take, they give an inch to take a mile situation. People take advantage of that. Part of all that in our common ground is to refocus all of those people, no matter how they look at this situation, around the benefits of being charitable. If you are charitable and you are grateful, it does something with the, within the human psychology that you want to keep doing that. You feel that benefit and you want to keep doing that. It's a very positive emotion. It's a very positive energy. It's a very anabolic thing. So you want to return the favor there. There are some inherently good people that are out there that just can't get out of their own heads, as I mentioned before. You've got to be positive and grateful for the things that you have 
you have to do some of these exercises maybe on a habitual level, you know, the three things exercise or a gratitude journal, or just in the morning and the evening saying, I'm grateful today for this. My health. My children's health. My parents' health. Uh, uh, food in the refrigerator. You get where I'm going. And we have to continue to trust God and his plan for our lives. Because God has a plan for your life, whether you want to believe that or not. God has, as Terrell Davis, the NFL player from the Broncos who went to the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, said in his Hall of Fame acceptance speech, excuse me, God has his hands right on your back. He's lifting you up. He's guiding you. He's guiding you to where he wants you to go. You're in the palm of God's hand. So why should you fear anything? Step forward and be charitable. Be grateful for what you have and what you've been given and what you've been blessed with. And especially at Thanksgiving, give thanks for that. Continue to trust in God because every day is planned for you. Accept it as an experience as part of your walk, as part of your journey, as part of what you're supposed to do with your life and be open to that and open to your purpose. And that's how you live undivided. So I'm going to wrap up the show in a moment. I have to do a couple of uh, promotional things as we always do to end the show. Again, we're trying to raise money for the California wildfires Thank you for staying with me tonight. And we are going to start with Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. That's Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. www.salvationarmyus.org. Enter your zip code to give to your local area. Enter a zip code in California where there's fires to give to them. Food for the Poor, that's www.foodforthepoor.org, 800-427-9104. www.samaritanspurse.org. Dot org to give to that great charity. MAP International, www.map, that's M-A-P's and Peter.org, 800-225-8550. They have emergency packs. They have all kinds of things you can do to help those who are in need in California and throughout the world. That's MAP International, 800-225-8550. Set this Thanksgiving. Give to these charities that are trusted charities. Give from your heart. iTunes distributes the show. Audible.com is our sponsor. Thank you to the listeners that emailed in questions. And so now, you know, as we come into focus on Thanksgiving, we come into focus on what's that, what we're thankful for. Start by really thinking about what you have in your life, what's important and not what society tells you you need or what's important. And that's what's going to make you truly fulfilled. If you focus on the things in your life that you have, the advantages you have that other people can only dream of, that will get you to a point where you're living truly undivided. Again, Erica Weir Light Show, Mondays, 11 a.m. on the Life Coach Chat Channel. Replenish Me with Cordelia Gaffar, Wednesday night, November the 28th, live show at 7 p.m. here on the Life Coach Radio Network. Harry Pritchett Show, Thursday, the 29th of November at 9 p.m. And then Holy Shift, Holy shift, like the shift of a car. Barb Heenan and Leslie Pachotti. Holy shift, 
Wednesday, December 5th, 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern on the Life Coach Radio Network. And that's a great segue to my next show because they're on in the morning every uh, other week. I'm on the evening on Wednesdays. So my next show is Wednesday, December 5th. It will be two weeks from the air date of this show. Episode 35 of Undivided, as I mentioned before, Tell the Truth to Heal Yourself. Barika Porter. Barika Porter is our special guest, and I hope that you'll join me. I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. I want to thank you for listening to our show. I want to remind you my practice is available at frankjmaduricoaching.com. I can be reached at undividedshow at gmail.com. My book is out on Amazon, and that is Reflections on the Passion, a modern guide to the stations of the cross. That's available on Amazon. Go to Amazon. Google search my name, Frank Maduri, and it will come up, Reflections of the Passion, a modern guide to the stations of the cross. I want to thank you all again for listening tonight to this episode of Undivided. I hope that it will help you to find gratitude and to be less thinking of what you don't have and rather thinking of all the things that make you whole. This has been episode number 34, Gratitude versus Entitlement of Undivided. For Russ Terry, for Trina Ramsey, for Danica Treble, and for everyone at the Life Coach Radio Network, I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri. Until I see you guys again, uh, December 5th with Barika Porter. Be blessed, be well, and happy Thanksgiving.